Lord, that is the cry of our hearts today and the cry of every person who knows anything about what it is to be human up against the knowledge of you, our righteous, holy, awesome, worthy to be praised God and Father and Son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life and the Holy Spirit, who gives us life and makes everything new in our lives as we walk this earth. When we compare our humanness to your divine nature, all we can do is say, Lord, we need you. Every hour, we need you. And uh, that's not a surprise to you. You know how much we need you, and that's why you gave us your word. So as we open it today, and we lean into what you want to say to us, I pray that we'll have ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts open to receive all that you want to do in us. And we pray that you will powerfully move in our hearts today and bring about and change towards righteousness. Bring about um, the next step in our sanctification process of growth in you today. We submit ourselves to that right now and ask you by your Holy Spirit to speak. And it's in Jesus' powerful name that we can even pray this. Amen. Amen. It's so good to say Go ahead and have a seat. <laughs> uh, this is just a taste, my friends, of next Sunday. I can't wait for you to be here and join uh, this group right here that are getting ready to receive you and minister to you as together again we gather and minister to each other is the body of Jesus Christ. Um, I just give a little commercial right now. Just, just, just bear with me, okay? I'm gonna talk to the group here and it's gonna be different for me because for like the last four months, I've been just the camera, and now I got people. I can't ignore them, but I can't ignore you either. But I can't tell you what my heart did. My heart leaped for joy as I walked out after rehearsal, and there were actually people in the building. It was amazing that we had people in the building. And uh, to see children running around and having a great time at church. What an awesome thing it is, and I can't wait for next week. And I don't know about you, but uh, I've had quite the week recovering from last weekend. Um, like most of you, I, we had a family reunion. All of our family got together. Our immediate family got together, and we had a blast. We had uh, tacos, homemade tacos, which is a family favorite of ours. And we, had, we topped it off with ras fresh raspberry pie. And we had all, just all day long, we... Isn't food supposed to be part of our celebrations? Isn't food so, I mean, we just, we, it reminded me of the old days when I was a kid. We would have these family reunions, these huge buyers family reunions, and we would get together with all of our cousins. And I just remember running around. It was the, it was the only time in my life that, that we as kids didn't have mom and dad like watching over us. They, they could give a rip where we were. We were off having a ball, doing our own thing, just having a great time, running around until dark, even after dark, because in our house, as soon as the, the lights come on, the street lights, you had to come home, right? But not, not on family reunion nights, uh-uh. And we would eat 
tacos and we would have this great buffet that all my aunts would bring in, this, this awesome food. We would have all the homemade ice cream you could eat. Um, in fact, it was always a contest. You know, the dads would do the ice cream and every year it was a contest to see who could put the special ingredient in that would be the best that everybody would rave over what homemade ice cream was the best. And what an awesome time that was. And I tell you, it reminded me a lot of that last week as I saw the, my, our nine grandchildren running around and just having a great time with their cousins and, and running all over the, the place and, and nobody really cared. In fact, there were a couple of times where we were like, does anybody know where Brooks is? He's only like, like two years old, you know, and like, is he at the bottom of the pool? I don't know. Does anybody know where he is? You know, because that, that's what happens at family that doesn't sound good. We lose children at family reunions. That's not what we do, but, but we have a great time. It just reminded me back of the old days and how awesome it was to get together. I actually wore myself out because I made the mistake of teaching the kids, all the grandkids, how to play chicken in the pool. If you know what I mean by that, they wore me out. There was one time I, I taught them. I said, now listen, if we're going to win. Don't fall off. No matter if I go down, just stay on, and I will get back up, and we'll keep on going. Until one of the kids took that literally and I was underneath and I was starting to suck water down my lungs because she wouldn't get off of my shoulders. And, uh, but wore me out and I've been working all week long uh, to just recover from the great glorious family reunion that we had last week. Well, two weeks ago, um, Gino got us started on the making of a major glorious family reunion in Genesis chapter 45. So if you want to take your Bibles and turn there, as we continue in our study of Joseph, the legendary tale, and uh, just to catch you up as to where we are in the story, Joseph's brothers are literally living out the dream told to them 20 years earlier by their brother Joseph as they come now to Egypt and they get on their knees to beg food from the person that they think is the prime minister of Egypt, but we know is Joseph. He actually was the prime minister of Egypt, but they didn't have any clue that they were kneeling before their brother and that they were actually living out the fulfillment of the prophetic dream that Joseph had and revealed to them 20 years earlier. That's where we are in the story. Joseph is now the most powerful man in the land underneath Pharaoh himself. He's like the vice president of the world at this point. And after a couple of back and forth journeys that he sent his brothers on back and forth to Canaan where their father was and where their, the land of his, of his home, they end up now bringing their baby brother Benjamin. Um, Jacob is not happy about this. Jacob, the, their father, is very concerned because he is his special child now. But they bring their brother Benjamin back before Joseph, and this is where we are in Genesis 45, verse one. So take your Bibles and go there to verse one of Genesis 45. So they bring Joseph before, them, before Joseph, and Joseph could stand it no longer. See, Joseph has kept himself a secret from his brothers up until this point. And once he sees Benjamin, something snaps some family trigger snaps, and he can't hold him back anymore. And there were many people in the room, the scripture says, and he said to his attendants, out, all of you. So when he was alone with his brothers, he told them who he was. So what happened is, is the Egyptians that were in his attendance, the, the officials, the government officials that were with him, he sends them out of the room. Now just, 
you've got to get your head in the moment here. You've got to get your head in the story and just think about what his brothers are thinking at this point. Okay, if you were with the vice president of the world and he brings you in and you have these, these, these strange encounters with him back and forth and then he sends out all of his officials and it's just him and you, you would be thinking, I know I would be thinking, what is going to happen next? Why did he just send everybody out? I mean, are we doomed? Because they knew that the Egyptians did not like the Hebrews. But verse two says, he broke down and wept. And he wept so loudly, this would have freaked me out too, because they, remember, they don't know it's Joseph yet, okay? He wept so loudly that the Egyptians could hear him, and word of it quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. So, so the word spreads to Pharaoh, Joseph is in there with these guys from Canaan, and he's crying so loud, we don't know what's going on in there. And at that moment, in verse three, he reveals himself to his brothers and says, I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? Now, think about the reaction of his brothers. Brothers that hated Joseph, brothers that put him in a pit, sold him into slavery, went home and told their dad, "Uh, your favorite son is dead, I'd be swallowing really hard at this point. And you know that some of them were like, oh, no. And some of them were like looking in because, you know, he had his Egyptian garb on. He probably had an Egyptian haircut, Egyptian makeup, Egyptian headdress. That's why they didn't recognize him this whole time. But can you just imagine yourself? You're there and he goes, I'm Joseph. Is my father still alive? And you like look at him in the face and go, Joseph, are you in there? It is. And he's dismissed everybody. What's he going to do to us now? His brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. And verse 14 says that weeping with joy This shows you the heart of Joseph. He embraced Benjamin, and Benjamin did the same. And then Joseph does something that you and I probably would not do. He does something that is not human. He does something that is divine. He goes and kissed each of his brothers and wept over them. And after that, (laughs) they found their tongues and they began speaking freely to him. What a scene the makings of a beautiful family reunion where this dysfunctional family and all of the horrible, hateful things that these boys did to their brother, we see a reunion coming together by a righteous man of God who embraces all of his brothers and kisses them and weeps over them. Well, verse 16, the story goes on. The news soon reached Pharaoh's palace. Joseph's brothers have arrived. Pharaoh and his officials were all delighted to hear this and and lean into this right here. Pharaoh said to Joseph, tell your brothers this is what you must do. 
Load your pack animals and hurry back to the land of Canaan. Then get your father and all your families and return here to me. I will give you the very best land in Egypt and you will eat from the best that the land produces. Okay, I don't know if Pharaoh knew the story. I don't know if somewhere along the line, because he's his second man, Joseph said, you know, let me tell you the story about how I got here to Egypt. My brothers, they hated me. They sold me into a slavery, a slave trade, and, and I ended up coming here. And that's how I got here. If that's the case, then you would think that Pharaoh would say, your brothers are here? Well, let's take care of business right now. I don't know if, they, if he knew that or not, but here's what I do know. I know that Joseph had favor with Pharaoh, the most powerful man in all the world at that time. And here's what I can tell you. You cannot get favor like this without God being in it, because Joseph is nothing. Joseph had no special talent. The only talent he had was that he was connected to a God who could interpret dreams and a God who could give wisdom, and a God who can give counsel, and a God who can give you the ability to administrate certain things on a global scale. He had none of that. He had no training at all. And yet, God has given favor in Pharaoh's sight so that salvation would come for Joseph's entire family. And that's what we see here. Verse 19. Pharaoh said to Joseph, tell your brothers, take wagons from the land of Egypt to carry your little children and your wives and bring your father here. Don't worry about your personal belongings for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. In other words, leave that junk at home. Some of us could take a lesson on that. Go to your basement and get rid of all that junk that you haven't touched, it's nothing. God will provide everything for you and we will provide everything, all the riches of the land of Egypt, so leave all that stuff back there. So the sons of Jacob did as they were told. And Joseph provided them with wagons as Pharaoh had commanded and he gave them supplies for the journey. Verse 22, he gave each of them new clothes. That's pretty cool. But Benjamin, he gave five changes of clothes and 300 pieces of silver. Man, I would love to dive into that. Where did he learn to give that kind of solo favor? I would love to spend some time there, but I'm not going to. Verse 23, he also sent his father 10 male donkeys loaded with the finest products of Egypt and 10 female donkeys loaded with grain and bread and other supplies he would need on his journey. So Joseph sent his brothers off and as they left, he called to them, don't quarrel about this along the way. He knew his brothers and he knew they were gonna fight over this and he said, don't do that. And they left Egypt and returned to their father, Jacob in the land of Canaan. I, I, I wanna ask your permission now. I wanna ask to, to stop the story and just talk about Jacob's heart. They left Egypt with this great news and they returned to their father, Jacob, in the land of Canaan. I wanna speak to you about the heart of a father who has lost a child that is dear to them right now, and I can speak to that. And I'm asking your permission to, because I have spoke of it before, but I want you to understand, I think it's important for us to understand the heart of Jacob right here at this point in his life. And as I speak for him, I think I can speak for many, many in the room here who have lost children, 
who have lost those who are dear to us, um, many online that would be able to relate to this as well, but there are some who are getting ready to lose loved ones, those who are the dearest and closest to them. And I want to speak into that. I want to speak words of hope for us today that Jacob did not have. And it's heartbreaking that Jacob didn't have the hope that we have today. And I'm going to explain that as we talk through here. Here he is. He's now 130 years old. And he has been mourning the death of his favorite son for over 20 years. Every single day. Wrestling with the reality that he lost his favorite son and would never see him again. Every day, wrestling with all the memory triggers that go off. Whenever you get together with family, whenever you're doing things, just like what's happening, I explained to you that just our family reunion this weekend, last weekend, triggered off all these memories of my past. And he's living with those memories every single moment of every single day, the the tragic loss of his favorite son. Forgive me for this, but I'm going to resurrect the old Barbra Streisand song. Memories. They light the corners of my mind. Misty Watercolored memories of the way we were. Scattered pictures of the smiles we left behind. Smiles we gave to one another for the way we were. Can it be that it was all so simple then? Or has time rewritten every line? If we had the chance to do it all again, tell me, Would we? Could we? Jacob struggling to be all the needs to be for the rest of his family in the middle of the crisis of the loss of his child, all the while missing Joseph, having flashbacks every time the family gets together for tacos and homemade ice cream. his mind wandering in the middle of a deep conversation around the family table, but thinking back of all those talks and walks and jogs that they used to have. I know all about what's going on in his mind at this point. This is Jacob, back at home, an old man, getting ready to receive some incredible news, but he has no hope of that news. He only has the, and has only carried the weight and the sting of the loss in his life. Wrestling with his memories. They may be beautiful, and yet, what's too painful to remember We simply choose to forget. So it's the laughter we'll remember whenever we remember the way we were. That's what I have to remember. 
And to let you in on just my heart a little bit here, I can't see Amanda's face anymore unless I remember her laughter. And I don't understand that. I would, you would think that her face would be just seared into my mind, but and I, when I try to think of her, and those of you who have lost children, are, I, I'm sure you understand what I'm talking about. There has to be a mental trigger. There has to be something for me, and that thing is laughter because she had an iconic laugh. She was known for her laugh. She was known in our family for her laugh. Because I don't know what got into her, but once you got her going, you could not shut her off. And she would throw her head back and open her mouth and gut laugh like you, wouldn't, like you couldn't believe. And she would get it, even when she was a little child, she would get giggling about something and she would start laughing about something and we would, it would get us giggling. Have you ever had that happen in your family? And we don't even know what we're giggling about anymore, but we're all laughing. And we, if we'd be in the restaurant and people in the restaurant are embarrassed for our family because we're all there laughing our heads off and tears coming down and snot coming out of our nose. We're laughing hilariously and Amanda was the source of that. And that's what I remember about her as she lifted the spirits. Here's some pictures. I just have some pictures of her. This is, there she is in the middle. That's classic Amanda right there. There she is on the left. And this is one that's very special to me. This, this is classic Amanda. And if you knew her, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. Can I indulge you with one more? Because you can't get this unless you hear it. And I have a video. Of, you want to hear her laugh? You want to hear her laughter? Can I just share it with you? Is this so special to me, okay? It's very fast and very quick, but I just want you to hear it. Listen to this. And that would go on and on. And if she, got, if she, if she lost control, look out, because we would all lose control with her. That laugh that you just heard is what I have to trigger in order to see her face. This is where Jacob is. He's getting ready to receive some amazing news, but this is where Jacob is, at home, an old man wrestling with these memories of the way we were. Five years ago this November, as we gathered the family around Amanda and Evie's graveside, I came to this heart-wrenching realization that the Byers family reunions are over as we know them. Never again would we be all together like we were in this picture. This is the last picture of our family uh, together before she passed. And this is where Jacob is when they come to him. This is the condition of his heart when they come to him. And they come to him with this crazy Unbelievable news, this, this, this news that they're bringing in to him, and let's look at it in verse 26. They come to him and they say, Joseph is still alive, and he's governor of all the land of Egypt. 
And the scripture says that Jacob is stunned at the news and he couldn't believe it. Some actually think he had a coronary right here. Some, some, some commentators believe that he had like a, a little stroke with that news and just said, I can't believe it. And you know what? I wouldn't have either. You gotta realize we have things that we've been taught. If you've been in church very long, we have things that we've been taught about the end and about returning with Christ and everything. We're gonna talk about it in just a little bit, but Jacob did not have that hope. If I were him, I would have been angry that they would play around with the memory of my son like that. What a cruel joke that is to come back and say, hey, guess what, Dad? Joseph is alive. I would have been stunned also, but I would have been angry with him and said, don't you mess around with me like that. How cruel are you boys? But they did something that was really awesome. They repeated to Jacob everything Jacob had told them, or Joseph had told them, and when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, their father's spirits revived. Jacob's spirit revived. And Jacob exclaimed, it must be true. My son Joseph is alive. I must go see him before I die. What, what an amazing moment. Don't miss that moment. I'm trying to draw the contrast of where he was just minutes before in his heart with no hope. And all of a sudden he realizes Something is different. Maybe Joseph is alive. Wouldn't that be awesome, friends? I can't imagine getting news tomorrow. Oh, guess what? It was just, it all really didn't happen. It was just a dream filled. Man is here. I don't know what I would do. But it would be glorious. And he says, I'm going to go see him before I die. And that's just what they did. Look at verse. 5 of chapter 46, jump to verse 5. So Jacob left Beersheba, and his sons took him to Egypt. Now jump now to verse 26. And the total number of Jacob's direct descendants who went with him to Egypt, not counting his sons' wives, was 66. In addition, Joseph had two sons who were born in Egypt, so altogether there are 70 members of Jacob's family in the land of Egypt. This is going to be a glorious, huge family reunion. And verse 28, as they neared their destination, Jacob sent Judah ahead to meet Joseph and get directions to the region of Goshen. And this is where the story gets good. And when they finally arrived, Joseph prepared his chariot and traveled to Goshen to meet his father. Can't you just see this now? Joseph's getting himself all ready to go. He hasn't seen his dad in 20 plus years. And he, what's on his mind right here? I mean, he's, he's getting his chariot all ready and he's thinking, man, what am I gonna say? What are the words, I'm, what are the first things I'm gonna say? It's gotta be something good. I, I can't, I got, hey dad. I mean, it's gotta be something awesome, you know, that you're gonna come up with whenever you're going to say the first words to your father who thinks you've been dead for 20 years. So he gets his chariot all ready to go. He travels to meet his father Jacob. And when Joseph arrived, not a word was spoken. He embraced his father and wept, holding him for a long time. No other words need to be spoken. No other words can be spoken 
into this scene. There are no words that I could use to describe what this felt like. The love between a lost son and his father after two decades of separation. Some have said, some authors have written, it would almost be a crime to try and describe the words that can only be experienced. What a glorious reunion of a family, a dysfunctional family, broken apart for decades and brought back together. That ought to bring you hope for you and your family that it is possible. Can I talk now at the backside of this sermon and the rest of our time will be about three other very special reunions talked about in scripture. Can I take you there? The first one, um, the Bible describes as a national reunion and if you wanna take your Bibles and turn to Nehemiah chapter eight, that's in the Old Testament. Let me give you some background to this. In the days of Nehemiah and Ezra the priest, um, God's people Israel had been taken into Babylonian captivity and have been enslaved. So they've been, this, this, this foreign government comes in and captures the city of Jerusalem, takes the people of Israel, takes them back to Babylon and enslaves them for 70 years. And because God had given Nehemiah favor in the eyes of King Artaxerxes of Persia, just like he gave Joseph favor in Pharaoh's eyes, he was given permission to take the people back to Jerusalem, the great city of David, the place where they met with God and worshiped God in his temple. And this was their national home that, they, that had been destroyed and had been burned to the ground, literally. And Nehemiah led the people back and they began to rebuild the wall and they began to restore the places of worship. And in Nehemiah 8... The Bible tells us of this great national reunion here. But it's all centered around the worship of God. And Ezra, the priest, assembled all the people in the town square, in the city square. And he did something interesting. He brought out God's word. He brought out the law. And when he brought it out and opened it up, the people were like, <gasps> the people all stood up. And no one said, let's all stand for the reading of God's word. It wasn't like that. Ezra, they had, been, they had not been around each other. They had not been together to worship. And when Ezra brought the word of God out and he opened it up, the people were like, in anticipation of its reading, just stood to their feet. Just think. It had been 70 years since they had been able to do this together. 70 years since their ears had heard God's word spoken in their language. An entire generation has lost out on the experience of the national family worship gathering. What a horrible thing that would be. We've only been doing it for four months. <laughs> Think of 70 years. Ezra, at that moment, blessed the Lord and the people responded with an enthusiasm. So they stood to their feet, and then they responded with, amen, amen, the people shouted. And then they all raised their hands in praise. And as Ezra read the words of God aloud, Scripture tells us that all the people began to weep as they heard the words spoken. 
What an amazing national reunion and gathering of God's people, and they did it around the worship of their Father God in heaven. Nehemiah responds, no, 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 no. (laughs) This isn't the time for weeping, he says. And in verse 10 of Nehemiah 8, he says, go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. My friends, does that sound like a family reunion to you or not? That sounds like a family reunion to me. It actually sounds like the church of Jesus Christ coming together taking care of each other. Those who do not have, we're gonna share with. This is a sacred day before the Lord, he says. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. What a great, powerful reunion for God's people to come together after being separated for 70 years. Listen to me. You let persecution come, or some foreign government come in and take us away to labor camps, you take away our Bibles and forbid us to ever read the words of God or speak the words of God or ever sing the praises of him or lift high the name of Jesus. And by the way, unfortunately, we may not be that far away from that in our nation today. But listen, you let the horror and agony of that kind of 70-year captivity linger and then bring us back together again? (laughs) Look out. If the way I felt about all you coming back in here today is any indication, look out. I can't wait till next week. (laughs) We may be older and hunched over and tired and some of us will have died during that 70-year captivity, but I can tell you You open the word of God and read it before our starving ears and our hearts and heads and hands and voices will be lifted up and there will be tears of joy and shouts of praise coming out of our mouths and we won't be able to help it. And the the petty things that used to haunt our preferences will all have been diminished and we will be left with our God and his word and each other. The national reunion of God's people. What a day that must have been. Listen, we get to do this on a much smaller scale next week. And we can't wait to have you all join with us. But it's going to be awkward. And I just have to say that out loud. It's going to be awkward. Has it been a little awkward this morning? Have we had a couple of awkward moments? Because here's what I've been doing. Uh, What are we doing here? Are we hugging? Are we handshaking? Are we fist bumping? Are we elbow bumping? Are we just saying hi? What are we doing here? And that's how it has to be for us as a family because it's going to be awkward because we have, all of us are at a different place in the way that we feel and the comfort level that we have and whether we feel safe or not safe in the middle of this regathering. And I just need you to understand um, that we're doing everything we can, not everything we can, we're doing what we think is necessary to provide a safe environment for everybody when they return, for all of you when you return, knowing that not everybody is ready to return. We have chosen, and, 
It may be the greatest decision we've ever made or the worst decision we've ever made. We have, we have chosen to not restrict everything and mark everything off. And we're, we have chosen to let you decide what is best for you and your family so you can participate in all of it or none of it. You can not come to church if you're not ready, and I would encourage you not to if you're not ready. Don't come and force the awkwardness or force the, your family to be uncomfortable. And if you have health issues where you shouldn't be, then don't. Thank God for technology. Thank God that we can do this. I can actually talk to you. Did you know that we have a group in Massachusetts that watches us, and we don't even know who you are? In fact, I would love it if you Massachusetts people who are watching every Sunday would write in and say, here's who we are, and this is why we're watching. We've asked our whole staff, does anybody know anybody in Massachusetts? This is awesome that we can share in the fellowship online like this. And if you're not ready to come back to church, then you're gonna, you can join with us live at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. We actually have, um, I think we have a, a visual. This tool right here is coming out tomorrow. And you're going to be able to go and touch different aspects of this. And these are like the 10 most asked questions we think will be asked and you can get an idea of what these are, what you can expect when you come to church as you use this tool, and hopefully that will answer a lot of your questions, but if you have other questions, just call in or text in, and we'll help you with that, okay? But here's what I want you to understand. And when we ended our time, the deacons and elders this past week, this was the, the, the thing that was on our hearts was the thing that was on Jesus' heart in the Garden of Gethsemane and that is the unity and harmony of the body of Jesus Christ. We don't want this to divide us. We want it to unify us because we're going to be selfless in taking care of each other when we come back together. Harmony and unity are the key for the people of God. That's what Jesus wants for him. How, how pleasant, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live in harmony. We talked about that last week. But harmony and unity are born out of humility and submission. And these are the words that will dominate our gathering next week and for the weeks to come. Harmony, unity, humility, and submission. It took me to 1 Corinthians 13. Eric Schellner did this week. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of doing wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. So we're gonna let love prevail. We're gonna let love dominate everything that happens as we regather next week. But if we can help you at all in your comfort level and your safety, you just let us know how we can help you with that, all right? All right, you up for another reunion? You up for another reunion? Here we go. It's called a personal reunion, and you can find it in Luke chapter 15. Luke 15. This is the story of the prodigal son. And let me explain the background. This, there is this son, and this is a parable, so it's a story. It didn't actually happen. Jesus is telling a parable that draws us into what the kingdom of heaven looks like, okay? 
So he tells the story of this prodigal son whose dad had a lot of money, evidently, and he went to his dad and he said, Dad, I want my inheritance. Now, normally, you don't get that until your dad dies, but he goes and says, I want my inheritance because I want to go away and I want to just live for myself. And so his dad says, okay, and gives him his inheritance. And the Bible tells us that the story tells us, Jesus is telling it, by the way, that the son went off to a faraway place and he began to squander all that he had on what's called riotous living or selfish living, living to please his own lusts and his own desires. And he went out there and he, was, he spent everything that he had on trying to find happiness and fulfillment for himself. And he realized when he came to the end of himself, the scripture says, that everything that he really wanted, everything that he thought he really needed was back home with his father that he left. You need to understand that that's always how it ends up. When any of us walk down the dangerous, destructive road of sinful, lustful desires, when all you care about is what you want and living for yourself, you will always come, if you follow that path, you will always come to a dead end and you will realize as you look around that you are surrounded by the bones of those who have come before you. There's nothing but death and destruction down the road of selfish living. And it is then that you need to begin to understand that everything you need, everything you want, everything that is good and wholesome in this life and in this world is back home with God, your Father. So the prodigal heads back home. And the whole way that there it says that he's rehearsing what he's going to say. Kind of like Joseph is heading back home and he's rehearsing what is he going to say to Jacob, his father. And he's rehearsing what he's going to say as he begs his father for forgiveness only to be met with some scene that he did not anticipate. And that was a father who had been watching for his return all the while he's been gone, and he sees him way off in the distance coming home, and the father takes off and runs to meet his child. And when he gets there, he embraces him and he kisses his son. And his son blurts out the words in Luke 15, 21, Father, I have sinned against heaven. I have sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father replies, don't miss it, not to his son. He turns to the servants of the house and he says, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, put sandals on his feet, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and let's celebrate. And he turns to his son and he says, for this son of mine was dead, but he is alive again. He was lost and now he is found. And they began this great celebration. My friends, let me tell you something. This story is about what happens when people return to God. And if this is you, there is a personal reunion waiting for you, just like the prodigal son. Our culture has lost all sense of family unity under God and under his word. 
this COVID thing has separated us. Race has divided us. And reconciliation with God is the only answer to reconciliation and unity in the world. That's the only way we're going to find help and hope to bring us all together and to fix what has been broken by sin in the world. This story of the prodigal son is a picture of those who, if they will just humble themselves and repent, will find forgiveness and acceptance by their loving Heavenly Father. See, when we wander away and we come to the end of ourselves, or whenever we have never had a relationship with Jesus Christ but have come to the end of ourselves and realize our deep need of a Savior, and we turn and walk away from all the destruction and death down that path, and we turn and say, I'm gonna go home and repent. And we humble ourselves, and we return. You will be, you will be met by the Heavenly Father who has been watching for your return. And he will come to you. This is a picture of that. It's a story Jesus tells of the, of the person who returns to Jesus Christ. My friends, if you desire this, it is in your reach today. In fact, I would encourage you online to text in to us and tell us that you desire prayer for a reunion with your heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. Maybe you don't know Jesus. I think somebody right now is putting on our, on our platforms a way for you to text in and say, I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. I need him as my Savior today. I want, I want to come to him and I want to find salvation. Would you let us help you? Let us help you put on that warm coat of God's forgiveness and acceptance. Let us help you put on that ring of belonging on your finger. Because the, today is the day of your personal reunion. And those of you who are sitting in this room, you may need to come back to Jesus too. Today is the day of salvation. And if you hear his voice, the scripture says, do not harden your heart. Thank God we don't live in a day of judgment right now. We live in the day of grace. Amen. Where he is allowing people to come to him. And he will not turn you away. All right. You have one more in you? I can do it in five minutes. You have one more in you? I saved the best for last. And it's called the ultimate family reunion. And it's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter four. Now some of you knew I'm going here. But we're gonna talk about the hope that Jacob did not have, but that we have. And I gotta tell you that this reunion in 1 Thessalonians four it's a reunion that I'm hearing people talk about more frequently in these days of futuristic uncertainty. More and more people are talking about the return of Christ. And these are wonderful words of hope, listen to me now, for all who believe. For all who believe. For all who believe. In fact, this is for the family of God. 
And so whatever I'm going to say from this point on is for those who believe in Jesus Christ and who have been saved and are in the family of God. These are the people that have this hope. How awesome would it have been for Jacob to have a Paul in his life, to be able to write words like this whenever, Paul got the, or whenever Jacob got the word that he lost his son Joseph. And here they are, verse 13 of 1 Thessalonians 4. Dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know, some versions say, we don't want you to be ignorant of what I'm gonna tell you. I love that. We want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. We have something as believers in Jesus Christ that the average person in the world does not have, and it is a hope to be able to see those of our loved ones in Jesus Christ who have died. For since we believe, verse 14, that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. In other words, this isn't our opinion. God told us to tell you this. We who are still alive when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have, been di- who have died will raise from their graves. That's going to be an amazing sight. And then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord. How long, folks? How long? forever. It's the ultimate family reunion. We will be with our loved ones who have died, and we will be with the Lord Jesus Christ forever. What a glorious day that will be. I can't wait. It reminds me of the old hymn. It goes like this. What a day that will be. When my Jesus I shall see. Yeah, you can sing with me. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, What a day, glorious day, that will be when we all get to heaven. Come on, stand. What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus We'll sing and shout the victory. Oh, what a time. And right at that moment as you enter into heaven, you might expect to hear the sweet sounds of angels singing. But I will be listening for the head, back, mouth, wide open laughter of my beautiful Amanda. And just like her mama, the head, back, mouth, wide open giggle of little Evie right by her side. 
the ultimate family reunion. Let's pray together. Many, many times, Lord, our hearts are confused over what's going on in this world around us. And I don't know where my heart would be. I don't know how deep in despair I would be, how depressed my spirit would be if we did not have the glorious truths of your word to give us the hope of heaven and the hope of a reunion for those of our loved ones in Jesus Christ who have died. Thank you for that. But more than that, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you made a way of salvation so that we can have the hope of heaven for ourselves. And my friends, if any of you in this building, any of you watching online, do not have the hope of heaven in Jesus Christ, do not, are not assured of your salvation, would you please let us help you? Today is the day for your personal reunion with your Father in heaven through the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you find that new life in him. And you can text in right now and let us know that. Or at the end of the service, anyone in this room can come forward and we can help pray over that for you. It is the most important thing in any of our lives. We want it for you. Help us, Lord, and we thank you. And can't wait for the time where we can walk by your side I can't wait for the time where I get to throw my arms around you, Lord Jesus, and weep on your neck. And thank you for giving your life and giving your all for me. We pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. God bless you, and we'll see you back here next week, 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. We hope to see as many of you as possible but we'll see everybody together either in person or online. God bless you. Until then, you know that we love you and the Lord Jesus Christ loves you. So take that with you. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us for this morning's online service. Our hope is that it ministered to your heart deeply and we pray that it inspires you to love God, love people, and influence our world with the gospel of Christ. If you made a spiritual decision today or you'd like prayer in your life, we'd invite you to fill out an online connection card by clicking on the link. If you haven't downloaded our church app yet, now's a great time. It has tons of resources and opportunities that you can take advantage of. Finally, you can check out our website, fbclcart.org, to stay connected with us. We hope you have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you right back here next week, same time.